Welcome to another episode of the In Due Time Podcast. And I'm your host, Mr. Anthony J. Ray. Today is a very, very exciting day for me. I'm a big sports fan. And today is like a holiday for me. It's like the beginning of the sports year for me. Today is the NFL draft. A day I like to refer to as future young millionaires who are about to fuck up their life, their dreams, their goals and aspirations if they don't do it right. Yeah, today is draft day and um, we got a whole bunch of college kids that are about to jump out and embark into a brand new world outside of uh, scholastics and sports and anything that they've been involved in and over the past um, 20 some odd years of their life. Their entire life about to change. A lot of them don't realize it. You know, I think a lot of it thinking of it as uh, this is the the thing that I've dreamed about. The one thing that I've worked so hard at all my life. Uh, wanting to play for a particular team or uh, play in front of the cameras and the lights and be on TV and the fame and the stardom. It's a lot come with that. A whole lot that come with that. Uh, There's a financial responsibility that comes along with that. All this brand new money uh, tends to lead us to believe that a lot of these athletes will be set for life after tonight. And uh, little do they know that um, most professional athletes end up broke after their playing career. Sometimes even before their playing career is even over. Most of them have exhausted all the possibilities of their money before they um, even finish their playing career. So, I mean, here you are with a broke, broke down body and and you got broke down pockets too. Um, things that usually get us to these situations is that Most of these kids have not had any kind of financial training, financial background, parents that had any of the same training or background. So to say that a lot of these kids, um, this is going to be the best day of their lives. uh, A lot of them don't realize all the things that come along with being a professional athlete other than the performance on the field. Uh, the performance on the field is just uh, a third of it. You know, the other parts that you're going to have to deal with is going to be all off the field stuff. And uh, 90% of it is going to be something to do with finances. Uh, everybody going to have their hands out. Everybody going to have their hands in your pockets. Um, this kid don't realize that once they announce their draft status and 
the team has been picked and they've, you know, put on, you know, posed in front of the the commissioner with the jersey. Well, it'll be it'll be a lot differently in this year's draft because everything is going to be virtual and it's going to be done basically in their homes. But the same effect will still lie. As soon as this um this quarantine is lifted, you know, this kid will instantly get 1.7 million followers tonight. Uh, he'll have his pick at all the Instagram groupies that he want tonight. All his college buddies, neighborhood buddies, people that you grew up with, uh, teachers, ex-girlfriends, girlfriends, uh, auntie, uncle, cousin, uh, you name it. Everybody going to have their hands out. And I think what a lot of these players don't realize is, you know, part of their job will be to perform and, and get the job done for whatever team that picks them. But the real work is going to be is maintaining, you know, a healthy status to where you can come in and out of camp every year to make the money. So a lot of it's mental. A lot of it is training. But for the most part, you know, it's going to be a lot of added pressure and stress that you didn't have to deal with prior to. I know probably got a little bit of exposure of it when you were in college, dealing with the social media and all the people and the, you know, your privacy and all that stuff. But you didn't have the money. You didn't have the bread then. Now you got the bread and a new car and a new crib and a whole bunch of new um, drip. And for those who don't know, that is fashion. <laughs> for all of you that don't uh, know, I mean, like everything in your life is about to change. You know, the, the most simplest things, you know, you, you're under a bigger uh, microscope now. You know, the world is watching you now. So it's a little different for you now. You know, the things that you used to do, everybody, and not, to, not only is everybody watching you, but the league and your team. So everything you do will be scrutinized 10 times greater than what you did before. That's added pressure. So, but what I really want to dive into is that um, the financial aspects of the draft. Uh, like I said, most of these kids are coming from single family or low income environments. And they never had any kind of training in financial literacy or credit or investing a lot of these kids are doomed before they even hit the field because nobody's going to train them. Nobody's going to tell them, you know, I know the league provide all these uh, rookie symposiums that give the, the, the kid a chance to see what it's like to be a professional, how to do PR stuff and how to conduct yourself on and off the field. And I'm sure they have a, a, a boatload of like financial advisors and things of this nature but um, 
to somebody who didn't come from a background with uh, with finances, you know, they may not see the importance of having a financial advisor. They might not see the importance of making some early investments in property or early investments in the market or early investments in like insurance. You know, a lot of these kids don't have the guidance or or upbringing to where they're going to conscientiously do these things early on in their career. I would hope that somebody would be by their side to help them and guide them. But chances are a lot of these kids won't have that. You know, they'll walk blindly into this situation and will be part of a future episode of 30 for 30 broke part two. Uh, I would hope that a lot of these kids have learned from previous athletes and previous um, stories of athletes going broke. But um, I'll be honest with you at 21, 22 years old, you're not thinking about stuff like that. You know, I started my career in healthcare at 21 years old. My first full-time job, um, I, I, I made fairly decent for somebody that my age. Um, but my first full-time job, they offered the entire benefit package with retirement and insurance and additional insurance for life and all this stuff. And uh, I think, I know for a fact that I opted out of, um, the retirement. So 401k decline doing the minimal on insurance. Cause I just needed coverage. If I got to go to a doctor. I'm young, healthy. I ain't even thinking about a doctor, you know, things like that. Wasn't weighing heavily on me, you know? So I know that a lot of these kids are not thinking about buying retirement you know, packages and investing in their future and stock and all this stuff. They got a whole bunch of money. A lot of these kids are going to go from having zero dollars in a bank account to millions. And the sad part about it is no one will be there to guide them. Most of the people that will be around them will be people that'll be hanging on and with their hands out, be that friends or poachers you're gonna see all kind of business opportunity everybody named mama gonna throw these kids a business opportunity that do not benefit them you know benefit the interest of their money but may not necessarily benefit them in long run in long terms of um scaling a business and, and making some money um i was looking at um an episode of it was one of these, I think it was like player tribune with um, Clinton Portis. And uh, he gave kind of a breakdown on like what it's like to be in the league. I'm going to play a little snippet of that and let you guys hear what Clinton had to say. When I first got drafted by the Broncos, I signed for 1.3. I go in and get the check and I come out, it was 858,000. 
shit, we I signed for 1.3. They say, no, nah, the, the taxes. <laughs> so I look down, and you got all these taxes. God, $500,000? Out of, out of, I got eight fifty eight, right? In my mind, I had already, I had already planned for 1.3, right? Knowing I just signed, knowing I just walked out, my agent called me. Said, yeah, congratulations. Uh, I'm glad we got this deal done. Are you happy? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, man. Uh, so j just go to the bank and uh, you can wire, you can wire me mine. We had jewelry, we had cars, we had limos, right? All on the agent. Doing the recruitment, yeah, got from you. from the agent. Now you gotta pay that back. I gotta pay my agent this yeah. two percent, and then everything I had spent. So now I gotta send my agent five hundred thousand. I got three hundred fifty-eight thousand. I bought a house. I bought a car. I bought my mama a car, and my agent called me again. This is in the off season. Say, so, yeah, you gotta uh, you gotta pay. You gotta pay taxes. Shit, they already paid tax. I paid taxes for my entire career when they got them five hundred thousand. <laughs> he said, he said, no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay off. Your, he says you gotta pay. They didn't take enough out of your game check, so you got, you still gotta send in twenty thousand, right? So I'm like, man, this taxes, like, God, it's killing me. So I send that money. You go through the season, whatever. Year two, we get to the point where we're getting ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs. I had 121,000. I go and buy two Benzes with 121,000. I go buy two Benzes, right? And I just had that feeling like this is make or break for me. Like it's either now or never. It was something telling me like this is your moment, right? I called Pastor Troy. I said, hey, you know what? Man, y'all need to come out here to the game, the whole crew. Come out to the game. Say what? I said, man, I'm I'm a ball out. I said, matter of fact, bring the belt. He said, what? You want me to bring the belt? I said, dog, bring the belt to the game. That's Thursday. They fly out Saturday. You go to the hotel Sunday. You play the Where's game. The belt. The championship belt that I put on on the sideline. Oh, uh, where you get that from? That's Pastor Troy belt. Yeah, I told you. Pastor Troy was wearing the belt. That was my partner. Call him. Bring the belt. He bring me a WWE belt, right? <laughs> I go to the game. That's right. I come. I come with the top down, with the music blasting. We ready? Pulling up in the parking lot. Brand new SL5. Wide open. Knowing how I'm fit. And, and then I'm fresh, right? I'm I'm looking good. This is my moment. I got you. I go into the stadium, I carry the belt in, little black case. I come in, sit the belt in my locker. Everybody, you know, family and friends, they in the stands. We play the Chiefs. At the end of the third quarter, I had 18 carries for 218 and five touchdowns. Right? <laughs> right? Right. I put the belt on on the sideline. When I put the belt on and, and, and called myself the champ, I knew it was payday. I knew what I had just did. The world was mine. I was Tony Montana. The world is mine right now. I'm Tony, I'm Tony Montana right here. Right. right. But I put all that pressure on myself. All right. I wouldn't bank on anybody doing that 
what Clinton Porters did with gambling on himself like that. I mean, I can dig it. You know what I'm saying? He 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 put a lot of pressure on himself to make himself perform. But that's that's kind of a breakdown on basically what a lot of our young athletes are going to be dealing with. A lot of them not knowing the tax part of it, not knowing how how money works. Uh, like I said, a lot of times we we get the numbers off of ESPN, so we we blindly thinking that all right, this kid got one point six million. In actuality, he got about four hundred thousand. You know, by the time taxes. You know, get they, you know, Uncle Sam get his chunk. Agent coming to get his chunk. You know, that's how it go. I mean, like a lot of these kids don't realize the suit that they got on tonight, the jewelry they wearing, all them dinners that the agent may have paid for prior to draft, anything that they did for them, they gonna recoup that. The moment that they signed a new contract. So, you know, and then not to mention that rookies have to play under a rookie um, salary cap. So they get a, a a rookie contract for like the first three years of their career. And, you know, that ain't the ball out contract that you get after you've balled out. You know, you have to kind of prove yourself now in the NFL to where you get those ball out contracts. And even sometimes after you proving yourself, you get tagged and uh put in these uh financial situations where the the, lead, the the team is trying to negotiate your worth so i mean if you got a family member that's being drafted you got a son or or a cousin or nephew go easy on it man you know what I'm saying? Don't 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 just stick your hand out there that first first couple of years because he don't need that added pressure of feeling like he gotta give back to all the people that gave him or give back to the the homies or give back to mama and daddy. You know, you gotta go buy mama the new house, you gotta go buy daddy the new truck, uh, gotta go buy, buy little brother all the drip and jewelry that he want. Nah. Now is not the time to do that. His first three years, y'all need to be making some family moves with the money. Something that ties the family down in the event that, you know, he don't get the big contracts to second go around. In the event that he don't make a squad. In the event of injury. Like, prepare not only him, but prepare your family because even with a, an illustrious career in the NFL, depending on position, your average career is about five years. Five. You know, those that get the 14 to 15 year career, that's exceptional. You know, I, I applaud those guys that get the big, the big contracts and multiple contracts over time and you know, that's a blessing. That is the biggest blessing in this game is to 
play through injury, to play through all that, to get the big money. But, uh, I mean, like, it goes back to us not being trained, us not being uh, in a position where we've been taught these things, things to look at, things to negotiate, things to do with your money. Uh, another person who uh, I was looking at uh, the ESPN um, special with um, the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, The Last Dance, and um, looking at Scottie Pippen's situation. You know, Scotty came from Arkansas, you know, whole big family back in Arkansas. Scotty's situation was a little different. You know, Scotty went from basically unknown, unrecruited high school player to having a growth spurt in college and blowing up and becoming like a top 10 pick in the, in, in the NBA. Scotty didn't know no better. You know, Scotty in one of those positions where his first offer, they offered him 18 million for seven years. You know, Scotty was the number two player on the, on the Bulls team behind Michael Jordan. I think one year Michael Jordan was making like $33 million and Scotty was at like maybe two to two to four million dollars he made that year. And he he wasn't even like the highest the second highest paid player on his team. He he wasn't even the fifth highest played paid player on his team. I want to say Scotty was like seventh or eighth highest paid player on his team at the time. But he was the number two player in the in the entire league. Not even on just the Bulls. He was probably number two player in the league at that time. But Due to, he felt like he was making a move for him and his family. I understand. Scotty had a, uh, a sick, a father that had had a stroke that was in a wheelchair. And then he had a brother that had been um, injured uh, and was left paralyzed. And he was in a wheelchair as well. Big family. Nobody in the family got money. You know, no financial literacy or education nowhere amongst anybody in the family. So Scotty was in a position where he felt like $18 million. I'll be able to take care of my family for years off of this. Didn't realize that he was devaluing his own worth. You know, I think one of the commentators said in that special that Scotty could have made 10 times that amount if he had negotiated the right contract. Scotty, he negotiated too many years. And in that amount of time, the value for him and his position went up. But, of course, he already locked into a deal. No general manager going to renege on that deal and give you more money. They, they in the game of saving money, getting a deal. Scotty got, I ain't going to say he got had, but it's just him not knowing, him not being educated him not being in a position where he could have uh, negotiated a better deal the first time out. He didn't, he didn't realize he was devaluing himself. Now who I would blame in a situation like this, his agent, 
his agent should not have gone for that in a million years. You know, that's what Scotty hiring you for. He's he hiring you to negotiate the money. You know, he he not the most financially savvy person. I'm sure at that time he was probably not as educated, you know, on anything. But I still blame him and his agent. So, I mean, it's it's instances like that is what make situations like this hard. You know, I think uh, I was reading Jamil Hill's tweet, and she was refer- referencing um, Scottie Pippen. I'm gonna read a couple of her tweets. Been thinking about Pippen's horrible deal with the Bulls, and one thing may. Be, we may be dismissing is the trauma that comes with growing up in poverty. And then the quadruple whammy of being black, poor, from the South, and the breadwinner of your family at a, at a young age. I could agree with that. You know, like, you know, when you're in a position where you're feeling like you're probably the only and the last hope for your family, you're going to do whatever it takes to secure the bag. He secured a small bag, but he went out and secured the bag. Now, how Scotty handled the situation once he had realized that he he had duped himself, he tried to play through it, but like that get the best of you after so long a time that you see that the man that that you right next to he he putting up crazy financial numbers like like I said, Mike was making like thirty three million in one year, you know, and that was just with the bulls, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Nike was breaking him off even more than that. And yeah, I'm sure he had probably a million other endorsements that probably brought Mike into like, you know, triple digit millions a year, you know, in just endorsement and salary, NBA salary alone. But I mean, she, she goes on to finish saying that growing up poor leaves you with massive insecurities about yourself and in constant fear of financial security. So that can be taken away from you at, at any moment. A poor kid from Arkansas, as Scotty was, would look at $18 million contract like it was worth $100 million. And that's why I'm going to agree with her on that, too. You know, like, any money at a certain point seemed good when you ain't got no money. You know, but like I said, giving yourself the opportunity to, to learn something outside of the, the basketball arena you know, I'm sure Scotty had no focus on nothing else but basketball and making it. You know, his determination came through his drive and and work ethic on the court. You know, he didn't he didn't strike me to be some type of financial guru, but my thing is, you don't have to be a guru in none of this stuff to make rational decisions. All right, she goes on to say. Understand that many of the players who enter the NBA have never seen that kind of money that's in front of them. They have no financial education, even though they have agents. They lean to their lean to their own perspective rather than someone who is just an interloper in their world. She goes on to say, Magic Johnson told me in a tremendous story once about how when he was entering the NBA, Converse and Nike both recruited him. Like it was an upstart day, they offered him millions in stock. He didn't know what stock was, so he went with Converse. 
Magic didn't believe in money. He couldn't touch. And he said he cringes every time he walked past a Nike store because the stock be worth God knows how much in it right about now. And which, like I said, you know, we need to verse our kids. We need to verse each other. You know, I think we stay away from the market because, you know, is is certain language and certain jargon and lingo that goes along with the stock market. You know, you got all these charts and, and graphs. You got all these, you know, lines and colors and it's intimidating. It's super intimidating. When I started about two years ago with just honestly sitting myself down and start breaking stuff down. And I'm not, like I said, I'm no financial guru. I'm not no stock market guru or anything like that. But two years ago, I, I made a conscious decision that I was going to learn the market. I was going to learn how to trade stock. I was going to learn how to invest. You know, I didn't want to just be going to work every day and I'm working hard, but my money's just sitting in an account. It ain't growing, ain't doing it. It's just sitting there. And once I started learning the, the market, everything just started opening up. Like, it's like anything else, you know, you stick to it long enough, you learn it. You stick to it long enough, you become good at it. And um, that's basically what we have to do as people. We got to find something or a niche within something that we don't feel comfortable and just push and push and push till we learn more. You know, it's just like a class that you may have taken in college or high school. You know, it, it might have started out hard, but then once you sat down and, and studied a little bit, it became easier. So, I mean, as much as I love the draft, as much as I love like sports, I also cringe because I feel like a lot of these kids, their gift is that sport. And like I said, a whole bunch of people going to be ready to, to go on this ride with them. But then as soon as the money is finished, everybody's going to get off the ride and then they, they're going to be on an episode of, you know, ESPN 30 for 30 broke part two. And then, you know, we looking at them crazy because like, hey, bro, you had like 60 million during the course of your career and you ain't got nothing. It's unfathomable, but it happens all the time. So, uh, like I said, good luck to all the future young millionaires tonight. Uh, I don't know anybody personally in the draft. Um. I know that this will be a night that that none of them will forget because of the uniqueness of how the draft is being brought to us. This will be one of the first drafts that was not done in person, you know, was not done at a venue. So it's all going to be done in people's houses um, via, you know, Skype, Zoom, some type of um, virtual way of reaching everybody. But I'm, I'm excited to see, for, for one, who the Falcons are going to pick. I'm a big Falcons fan. So we got the number 16 pick. You know, I've been hearing rumors of us trading up and 
getting a bigger and better player, you know, at this point, um, I don't think we're going to have a football season. So um, I think we're going to have a season, but I don't think that, you know, fans are going to be in full participation. So uh, Falcons, y'all can run me back my season ticket money. I, I need my shit. Uh, we in tough times now. So <laughs> run me my cash, nigga. Now, but straight up, um, you know, like I said, if, 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 we can get anything from this um, podcast is that, you know, even if y'all got kids that playing uh, rec league, pop Warner, you know, start teaching them early, man. Like, you know, teach them that, you know, give them a little task and start them a bank account, you know, give them a task on depositing money and letting them see how money grow. You know, like I said, I think I heard on, on, on another episode on one of these broke, I think it was uh, Bart Scott said that he he went and cashed his first check at a cash uh, check cashing place. He didn't even have a bank account. Now that's sad. That's that's probably one of the saddest thing ever. Like this dude went all the way through college without a bank account. So I mean, no person should be in the league without a bank account or without knowing how to open up a bank account. So. Like I said, um, you know, I, I want us to take from this podcast to like pass on the knowledge to somebody who, you know, may be in a position that may may go pro one day or just in life in general. It, it might not be, you know, going pro in a, in a sport, but I know, you know, you can sign the wrong contract by inking the wrong real estate deal. You know, fixed or annuity will fuck your whole life up when you know you got a balloon payment waiting for your ass after them 30 years. You know what I'm saying? So inking a deal of any kind, be that for the Falcon or for uh, Keller Williams to sign a house. You know, we need to know what we inking. We we need to know what we signing off on. You know, I think educating our kids and educating ourselves on areas that we feel like make us stronger financially. Like I said, I don't want to get too preachy. You know what I'm saying? I want everybody to enjoy the draft tonight. Uh, I hope your team gets who they want. I hope we have even a, a sports season after all this virus stuff. So, you know, like I said, make the right moves on and off the field. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. You can follow me. On all social media platforms, at Radiant Media. Um, like, share, comment. Uh, please comment, though. I, I got a few people that comment on my last podcast, so I do like the the comments. I do like exchanging and, and um, ideas. And like I said, um, you know, I, th- I think this is going to be pretty dope seeing the draft in this way. But, uh, I like I like how the the platform of my podcast is pushing forward because uh people are actually they'll either text me or they'll inbox me, you know, you know, what their response is. So like I said, lead a response to where other people can see them, uh, share them, you know, do what we need to do to get more financially literate. But uh, like I said, I'm gonna wrap it up and until the next time, peace.